Hey, I'm Phil Barantini and this is the Going Road Club, the podcast that delves into the careers of TV and film's heavy hitters. Each episode, we find out about their journeys and the unconventional way in which they got there. So my guest today is a film producer who has gifted us with brilliant British works like Train Spotting and The Beach. He's also the founder of the production company DNA Films, who are responsible for the 28 Days Later franchise, amongst many, many more. He talks to us today about how he started his first company when he was 15, why he wanted to focus on producing, and how he got the backing for Train Spotting. So, without further ado, please welcome to the Going Road Club, Andrew McDonald. Nice to be here. Yeah. I'm nice a big to meet fan. you. I'm not going to lie, I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of yours as well. Oh, well, that's... Wow. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to say that. But yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to get you in, because like, I mean, you've you've made some of the best British films that has ever been, in my opinion, yeah. uh, and a lot of people's opinion. Um, and I was really keen to get you in just to talk about your journey, your personal journey, and, you know, things about like, what it's like being in the industry and, and, you know, moving up the ranks and sort of, you know, becoming a producer and, and, and where it all began, really. Um, so I know filmmaking seems to run in the family. Yeah, yeah. Um, what was it sort of, was it always something that you wanted to get into or were you sort of like, because I know some <clears throat> families, you know, and people, they, they, they feel like they need to go into it or they're sort of not forced into it, but what was your sort of experience growing up in that world? Well, I didn't grow up in the film world really at all. I grew up on the west coast of Scotland, and our family business, the McDonald family business, was sheepskin coats. Really? And we had a tannery and a business wow. called Antarctics, oh which was several generations. In fact, it started with hats, you right. know, hats and mercury, rabbit skins and mercury wow. baths and the gorbals, and that's how you mad as a hatter and all that stuff. Oh, wow. Hats went out of fashion, so then they went into sheepskin in the 60s my oh, grandfather wow. and then my father took it over and my father was very keen that I would work in it and he wanted me yeah. to do the work in advertising and it was all a family business we all used to be photographed for the catalogs it was mail order wow. at shops here and in, in, in America and my grandmother was American so, so this, right. it was a very big successful business then it cheapskin went out of fashion and we had the sort of early 80 Thatcher recession mm -hmm. and it went bust wow. and um and I realized I wasn't going to do that. I was never that sure I was going to do it because family businesses are very complicated. Sure. But on my mother's side, um, her father was this very, very famous writer and producer who had stopped making films in the 60s and 70s called Emmerich Pressburger. And it's always yeah. so this Jewish, Hungarian, and this Scottish, whatever. Anyway, turns out as we did the DNA tests uh, during lockdown that my very English wife is more Scottish than I am. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> I'm not that Scottish, apart from being born there yeah. and uh, called Andrew McDonald, uh, um, wow. and 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 of course there was this sort of fascination with this guy. I used to come once a year and mm -hmm. used to go and see him, and his stories, obviously, about coming from Hungary, being in Berlin in the mm -hmm. '30s, being friends with all these filmmakers, and then yeah. making all these extraordinary films, which I started to see when I was 13 or 14 on the television, and they had a big season. And I remember being at school once. I went to boarding school in Scotland. And seeing just by chance on Channel Four, the BFI Prince Charles was handing out these amazing centenary BFI things, and he handed one to my grandfather, one to his partner, one to Sajid Ray, one to Orson Welles, one to Marcel Carney. Wow. I thought, oh, he must be, you know, he's a yeah, yeah. And I thought, I thought that's really interesting. And mm -hmm. I started to make little short films at the school. Nobody else was doing that. It's the kind mm -hmm. of school where one person did art, you know. Right, right, right. And um, and. 
And then at the same time in Scotland, had Bill Forsyth. Yeah. And I love, love, love Gregory's Girl. Yes. And I thought Gregory's Girl is, I mean, it's not exactly the world, but it's a world I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. I know where that was made. Mm. And, you know, you find out that Gregory's Girl was like the first real independent hit anyway in Scotland that had been made. And it was made uh, by Bill and a whole lot of people who worked in the theatre. Right. And a lot, there was this great theatre that my dad used to support called the Citizens Theatre. Mm. And we used to go there and it was like, they had two costumes, white tie and sort of rags wow. and every play they did was, yeah, the, was same. the same costume. <laughs> and it's a very famous theater right in the Gorbals. And, um, and I sort of started to connect these things together. Mm. So that's what I decided I wanted to do. And I, when I left school, my dad was working in London. I came down to London and I thought I'll go to the National Film School. So I went to the National Film nice. School and they said, you know, you've got to be a post-grad and you've got to yep. done this and that. And they said, but if you want to learn about filmmaking, put your name in on a card on this wall here and somebody might ring you when they were, and I got rung by this group of people who were making this absolutely mental sci-fi film all around London yeah and I worked on that as a, a in the art department really with lots of people that are you know very successful now and that was the first film and then other stuff you know worked my way up the industry if you like. wow so the national film school was that is that now the national film and tv school yeah. same same one yeah it's the best place in yeah, Britain yeah. if you want to study in that way yeah but um, you do like you touched on it there you, you you can't just walk into it and go i want to be a director or i want to be a cinematographer you've got to have worked in the industry is that right you either work in the industry or be sort of post-grad it's post-grad, really a post-grad yeah. thing right yeah, um, yeah, yeah and i'm involved in that now in the national film school so i'll, I'll right, big it yeah, i'll yeah. big it up but it is yeah, i think it's I, I went there not long ago for a screen we did a screen of a show i did and it's the facilities there are unbelievable yeah i actually did a short film there as an actor years ago I'm, yeah I'm there you in go the studio and it was like, this is like some, no, I've never seen a film school like this before, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. And if you, you know, they still have to put crews together. Yeah. Yeah. They're still looking for free labor. I mean, I know that's not possible for everybody all the time, but I was very lucky because my dad was working and, and had a basement flat and I stayed with him yeah. and, um, we, and I, I just, I remember the, used to wake up all the neighbors because the, you know, the minibus would come and pick you up at like five in the morning and all that sort of yeah. thing and go, because I was asleep or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that was, and then I met a lot of like-minded people and then, you know, worked on like ads and pop rumors. I worked for a lot of ads, right. runner. And then eventually I went, I went sort of going back to Scotland and I started in this, as a, I worked on some films, the runner and assistant mm. locations. And I ended up in locations, the toughest of tough, but yeah. And then I made an, made another short film and sort of between the age of 18 and when I produced my first feature film, that's what I did. And yeah. I did more and more in Scotland, worked on Tagger, worked on The Big oh, Man. Really? Yeah, yeah. Went to America as well. Got a, right. got a, got a, got a, got a grant through my family and Americans knew somebody and then did an internship in there and ended up working on a film for Palace. Oh, right. You know, they were the companies, Palace, long before so working title was Palace and... Um, what you call George Harrison's company. We, I spent hours in that oh, Cullen yeah. Square trying to get jobs. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, wow. You know, so those were the company they were making. You know, they were making a lot of. They were there weren't very many people making movies back then. And did you did you always, you know? So obviously you're in the industry. Did you did you know what your goal was? Did you want to be a producer or, or did you were you because you said you made some short films when no one was doing it. Yeah, obviously I'm, directing them and you probably I imagine you did everything on the on those. Yourself. Yeah, yeah. The, the short ones I did, I did them almost everything yourself on sort of Super 8 and sort mm-hmm. of, you know, Young Man Suicide Film. I made all those type of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I made a, and then I directed a, a sort of bigger film, which I got a grant from 
in Scotland. Um, and I always tell people, you know, if you can make your film at home, make it where you know everything. Right. You know, my first film, we ran out of money, Shallow Grave, and everything in that kitchen's from my dad's house. Really? And, you know, yeah. wow. I recognize the cups and the paintings oh, wow. are a friend of mine and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but if, you, if, you're, if you're lucky enough to be in an area where at that time there were two television stations, mm. Scottish television, BBC Scotland, there was a, a good drama school, there was a, a lot of working actors, mm. there was a film crew and a TV crew that could make a living by working right. independently there. There just was a sort of hub yeah. that you could get, get in on and yeah. get to know. So then I managed to get some money to make a short film which I directed. Right. Which my brother Kevin wrote, right, and uh, you know we were going to be the Taviani brothers and the Cohen brothers and the, yeah. you know, the McDonald brothers, but yeah, which which you are now. Yeah, we are now. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. don't work. We don't work together. No, that, that was never going to work because he obviously is. <laughs> he obviously is the director. Yes, and um, so. But you did work together, though. Yeah, we have worked together. Yeah, We've yeah, done, yeah, yeah. And yeah. when we started, when we started. Um, Started when I, mean, I started putting together this film, Shallow Grave, yeah. our first feature film. Kevin was, you know, involved and made and has made this very funny documentary. Anybody, I think it's online, digging your own grave. Oh, I need to watch that. Yeah. I know you just explained there before we came on. About, uh, it's you going around trying to get the funding and stuff like that. Yeah, at the I Edinburgh wanted... Film Festival. So yeah. that was the other thing. Yeah. You know, there was this Edinburgh Film Festival, which at the time particularly had a lot of access to talent and yeah. funders. Yeah. And I worked there a bit and hustled away and met people and yeah. you know it, one of the reasons why there is so much nepotism just like there is in lots of businesses is it's because all about who knows each other and those relationships as you know when you make them and mm. grow up with them and all the people that overlap and so my grandfather used to say to me because he's pretty old then um, he said oh, I've really thought of somebody who could really help you and, but I can't remember their name oh. <laughs> <laughs> like any grandfather Cheers, you granddad. know, yeah. know. <laughs> so, so yeah but but um, his that, you know, he'd, he'd long retired in a way. And um, what was obviously then fantastic was that the films all got rediscovered, mm. thanks mainly to the American directors. And, you know, yeah. there's, a, there's a season in October, November at the NFT of all the Powell Pressburger films and really? some of the films that he made in Germany before, oh, wow. which is going to be, I'm going to try and go to every single one. Of again. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, so you know... <laughs> I'm, inter I'm interested, and I'm sure listeners are interested about, you know, the journey from going, I mean, when was it that you were like, I'm a producer, that's what I want to do? After I made a, after I sort of directed a 20 minute short film. <laughs> yeah, like, it's not for me. Yeah, well, I just didn't do the greatest job. Yeah. And I, and, and I guess that's what I realized as I was better at sort of hustling and. Yeah. But what I, what I think is really important to be a producer, and I can, I see so many people who just want to do what they call development yeah. is you have to do practical stuff. Of course, yeah. And you have to know how it works on a film set and you yeah. have to have worked. I couldn't believe I worked on this huge film once as a runner called Revolution. Mm. Remember that? Yeah, Al yeah, Pacino, yeah, 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 yeah. And I didn't really know anything. And you'd read the script and you think, this bit doesn't really work. And then you'd hear the director talking to a producer and everybody had a totally different idea of what they were trying to do. And you think, that can't be a good idea. Yeah. So... You know, every time you work on something, you pick up ideas of how it should be sure. done. Like you were talking about your technique of how you like to work with actors. Mm. You have to develop your own things, but you can only yeah. do that by practice yeah. and getting the chance to work. So if you're going to be a director, you have to direct. Yeah. Now, you don't have to direct feature films, but you have to direct something. Yeah. 
of course. And and in this country, obviously, we're brilliant at theatre. That's our yeah. num- number one thing, probably. And mm. and if you're a writer, you have to write. And there's nothing going to stop you from writing. Yeah. It's all bullshit that you need to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I say to everybody in a sort of pompous way, Proust wrote it in the evenings on his way back yeah. from his accountancy job. Yeah. Which is kind of like what John Hodge did, who I met through another a Scottish editor who was working and cutting commercials and mm. I was running the film around for this director and he had an assistant called Grace and she had a brother called John wow. and John was a doctor from Glasgow right. who wanted to be a screenwriter Wow! and that's how I met John Hodge it's so um, like inspiring to hear things like that because you know I've got a similar thing with one of my co-writers I wrote Boiling Point with it's like we, that we, that we, we met just we didn't go to film school he went to film school but we met on the short film that I was doing for them out in Bulgaria um, <laughs> and you know we just like you just find your people right and so I th- like in terms of like setting up your company when did when did that all sort of come about I, I imagine did you make some films before that and and then you're like right now we're, we never made any we never made any films before Shadow the Grave but right. I think you probably know I was a producer since I had a company since I was 15 Right, yeah. The original company, and the reason you had a company was because in those days you could get a checkbook. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it said, you know, Andrew McDonald for Polo. That was my company, Polo right, right. Productions. Right, right, right. And that checkbook could get you quite a long way, a yeah. Clydesdale checkbook. And I, God knows how you got, got that then. But, yeah. you know, and I did like the school magazine and would take all the advertising money. So I really was a producer right from the beginning. From so, the beginning, yeah. So I always had these sort of production companies and whatever. Yeah. Maybe I had a briefcase at one stage. And in terms of like financing and stuff like that, obviously there's various different ways of, mm. and obviously the, the 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 landscape is changing all the time now. But back then, you know, what was the sort of what was your way in? Did you you know? Well, because I'd sort of been working on other people's films, worked at Pal. I don't, I don't know. I I sort of knew roughly. I didn't know the individuals, but I knew who everybody was yeah. and what was going on. And I think. The thing that's changed, I might have got this wrong, but my memory is there are basically 30 films made a year then. Right. And one of the reasons that was because it all had to be 35 mil. Of course. Or 16 mil. Mm. You had to be professional film cameras. You had to have the right people who knew how to operate those. There were no rogue people sort of making really indie stuff. Yeah. And you needed labs and Steenwicks and all that stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's my memory. So there was no, this is before video, before digital, before any of that stuff. And everything was projected on film as well. And you're going to project it in a proper cinema. It had to be 35 million. Yeah. None of them project, but, you know, an arts. But nobody. So there's a whole sort of that limited yeah. your access to it. Mm. And I remember there were roughly 30 films, and now there are 250 films. Yeah. Nobody can ever tell me what those films are. No. And nobody could watch them all. Yeah. But that's British films. So, I mean, our, our thing was, because I'd been working in Scotland and at the festival, and I knew, I sort of was, and then I got offered a place at the National Film School to on the producing course, went oh, for really? a term, realised that it was, probably wasn't for me, spent my whole time on the free phones trying to work on my feature film, Shallow Grave. Wow. And this, we went to this script-writing conference thing, you know, they have, it was in Scotland, and the head of that, uh, uh, the, the sort of, the, the funding organisation was a man called Alan Scott. Mm. And Alan Scott wrote, Films for Nick Rogue, Don't Look Now. Right. He was also incredibly sort of generous and his family were big whiskey. So he had it all. Right. And he organized this conference called Movie Makers, which is all about screenwriters. And John Hodge and I went to it. It wasn't, wasn't for directors, it was for screenwriters. And I remember he got William Goldman to come. Wow. It was like, it was like and at this thing, the new head of drama for Channel 4 came. Mm. 
And um, he had been at the National Theatre and he was sort of determined that, you know, that he would make some more, slightly more youthful new voices. Commercial maybe isn't, but that's what he wanted to do. But, mm. and, and his name was David Orkin. And he was at this conference. And that's what sort of happened. You get, you know, he was at the film festival. He's the conference. Yeah. So he sort of know him. And I wanted to give him Shallow Grave. Right. And <laughs> I realized I couldn't give it to him there and he wasn't there. So he had a minicab. He denies this, but I guarantee it's true. <laughs> he on. had a minicab to take him to Inverness Airport. Right. And I gave the driver five pounds, which is a lot of money back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. To give him the, my script. Wow. <laughs> and since then, obviously, I, I worked with one of his colleagues at Channel 4, and he said that David couldn't get a copy of The Guardian at Inverness Airport, so he was forced to read our script. Oh. <laughs> and I'm lying in my I flat in Edinburgh. That. Yeah. And the phone goes, no. and it's Channel 4 saying, we like your script. Wow. And how amazing is that? That's proper producing. Yeah, that's what I like that to say. That is being, you know, bold. So I that's how, that. you know, I mean, we'd got some money for John to write it from the Scottish. You know, we'd been through several hoops. And yeah, I think yeah. that some of the people on that board, the Scottish money board, whatever it was called, that yeah. training, the film trust or whatever, were, were sort of involved in some way. But... They then said, who are you going to get to direct it? And mm. I didn't know who was going to direct it. But I knew how to make it because mm. we designed it as yeah. a sort of low-budget film. And I had a very good plan with that. And then with their help, we went and met all these young directors. And that's how we met Danny Boyle. Amazing. And he had been passed over for years yeah. by lot, lots of films. He was desperate to make a film. And he really understood it. And he understood the tone, mm. I think, from his sort of theatre. and So he'd been the doing theatre, right? He'd been in television. At oh, that time, right, he was doing right, television. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd done lots wow. of television. Yeah, his, you have to get his stories even better. Yeah, You know, yeah. appointing himself head of drama in Northern Ireland so he could then commission himself to direct because oh, nobody wanted to go to Northern Ireland at that time. Wow. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, so, yeah, and then, and I think one of the things is that, you know, David was commissioning. He commissioned a film called Shopping. Yep. He commissioned, there were a whole bunch of films that were sort of about young people and about young Britain mm. and they were slightly more you know they weren't all about somebody's childhood or whatever yeah, you know, yeah, they were, yeah, yeah. And, and, and they were all trying to work with an audience and there was sort of uh, I was very very influenced by the American sort of new cinema mm. uh, you know the Coen brothers obviously it's very yeah. influenced by that film. but also you know Sex Lies and Videotape yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. been to America and I remember going to see um, She's Gotta Have It despite yeah. And these films, they were films that they'd managed to get a camera and just make these films out of film school. And there was yeah, a whole yeah. sort of can-do thing that I thought we could do as, we could do that as well. Yeah. So, you know, my original idea was I'd read about this is in America, you, they got a whole lot of dentists because they can get tax deductions to invest in the right. film. Maybe like <laughs> you did with Boiling Point. Yeah, 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 basically, yeah. EIS or something like that. Yes. So, but that was my original thought, that's how we'd do it. But yeah. Then we had this amazing thing with Channel 4. And then, wow. you know, if you can make your first film with someone like Channel 4, it's the best. Yeah. Because that's what they do so well. And they helped us through all the yeah. issues. Um, and then this next thing that happened really was the other wonderful bit, if you like, was that there was this, one of the biggest record companies in the world decided they wanted to get into film called right. Polygram. Yes. And, you know, because they, had, they, they knew the value of... Um, CDs and the DVD was just coming and, right, right. and they thought it's basically the same product as we know and you put it in HMV or whatever yeah. and so they got a bit more complicated but that roughly that was one of the reasons so they got into the film business and they were 
they were aggressively buying both Shopping and Shallow Grave and films like that. Right. And they wanted to market them like they would market a record. Very, yeah, and, the, yeah, yeah. and that sort of went together and obviously worked, was fantastic for us. And the guy yeah. who bought it was the guy who used to sell VHSs in Barrick Street Market called Robert Jones, who had worked right. at Palace. So there was a whole sort of, all came together amazingly well. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. then they sold it in a way that at that time, particularly British films, you know, it would almost be a groan when people saw Channel 4 films or yeah, yeah. BFI and suddenly there was this film that was actually being marketed and Danny had done these amazing things with Left Field and you know it yeah, all became yeah, yeah, yeah. something that young people-ish wanted to see Yeah, and that, that was a sort of moment of uh, you know and it was all to do with New Labour, it was all, the whole country you know it was all to do yeah. with that change but that really, without Polygram it would never have been a hit. And so the, do they what happened there then are they, they, do they still Polygram eventually so got sold. They sold the film division. Universal? It was a, to Universal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had they had distribution in America, and obviously they, yeah. they own Working Title. They That's right, pumped yeah. lots of money into Working Title. That's how Working Title became the most successful production studio, or whatever. Yeah. And and at the, and then it was. I always think it's interesting if you look back in it. Probably the two biggest voices of that period are Richard Curtis and Danny Boyle. Yeah. And they, in the old days, say Ridley Scott or, mm, or mm. Alan Scott or whatever they would have gone to America. But those sure. guys never did because they were able to get the resources and make yeah, films yeah. and fulfill their ambitions. Yeah. And and you need a distributor. Yeah. That's what we don't have, really. Yeah, we don't have a big true. media company. That's very true, actually. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. And when, so when did DNA form? And, and you know, obviously, you would do, you'd done some amazing films, obviously. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, some of them can't talk about all of them because we'd be here all day. <laughs> But uh, I wish we some could. of them we don't want to talk about. <laughs> in your opinion, let's talk about Train Spotting. I mean, yeah, that you know, did when you made that film, did you think it would still be like a cult no. classic now today? And no. did, would, did you think you'd ever make a sequel of it? No, I didn't. I didn't think it would be that commercial. Yeah, because of what it was about. And I remember there's this thing called Ace. Does Ace still exist? I think it was like no, a pan-European sort of producers course. No, run by anyway I think it might still exist and I went on this course I was asked to do it you know first time producer mm. and they all said I remember it was like David Putnam and this really famous Spanish producer just won an Oscar and a very yeah. big French producer <laughs> and, they, and the idea was they were going to give producers you know and they had a whole European and they said what do you want to do and I said I want to do this train spotting and they said you're mad wow <laughs> because you've just made this commercial film why are you making this and, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. and I think I often think if that was me now the old git on the other side of the table <laughs> and it was yeah. some young I'd probably say the same. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we thought we had two films we wanted to make. John had written this original script called Life Less Ordinary. Mm -hmm. Ever heard of that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was going to be the commercial uh, yeah. film. Right, right, right. That was right, going to be the right. romantic comedy yeah. with a twist. And, and, and Trainspotting was something we just desperately wanted to... I'd been given the book by a friend in Scotland. Yeah. Thought it was amazing. and But obviously incredibly difficult to adapt. But yeah. I loved the fact it was sort of black humor yeah yeah and about young men yeah and I, I i could relate to lots of it yeah not all of it yeah and <laughs> and and i thought everybody else would but i thought it would you know ultimately we you'd think about it's a film about being a, a heroin addict mm. and they're pretty pretty awful um scenarios really yeah they, they always are and you thought well we're gonna have to, if we're gonna make this we'll have to use all any bit of credibility or financials to you know we made our shallow grave and some yeah and you know we, channel four wanted to back us and they paid for the whole thing and 
they were able to offload it to Polygram. And yeah, because the music in in Trainspotting was incredible. Like, and and I, I, when you talk about Polygram, yeah, were they with? Because I know how much music can cost yeah. when you're making films. You know, was that part of a deal, or was it? Did you have to pay? Would, would I mean? I don't want to ask what the budget was on mm. on the film, but like you know, you can ask. It's a long time ago. Two and a half million. Two and a half million, and for that, for back then, it was that's a lot, right? Yeah, no, but yeah, really? it wasn't. It it was. I tell you what, the, the music's a whole bunch of things, but the, mainly it's because Danny really, really is brilliant with music. Yes, I am not. No, he is. Yeah, he knows, and he knows, you know, new stuff and old stuff, and yeah, there's a few funny things that are in there, but like the classical music when he swims underwater. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. was me, and everybody else hated it. But anyway, whatever. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to use it because it was partly because it was library. But, um, <laughs> Producer, uh, head on. Um, the ama- <laughs> but the really amazing thing about that film now and where I am now and being involved in films, it was shot in seven weeks, and it's like yeah. 57 locations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... And it was edited in seven weeks. Really? On film, with all the freeze frames and everything. Wow. I mean... We were so sort of tough and precise. Yeah. And then the music, brilliant editor as well, who was brilliant at music, but Danny, understanding of music. Mm. Um, and sort of suggesting, you know, that you, you use Iggy Pop, at, not necessarily for the open, he'd give the editor all these bits of music, and then the editor would, did that amazing thing with Iggy Pop at the beginning. Yeah. Which when we first watched, we thought, like, oh, nobody will ever screen this. It'll never, wow. never get past the censor. But the other thing we had to do was we had to get Iggy Pop, we had to get... David Bowie and, we yeah. had to, and so we'd made I'd made some quite good relationships with EMI with a big record company. yeah 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 and there was a team there in the publishing and they sort of believed in us and they liked the fact they had something to sort of bat for mm. and they went to Bowie's people who owned publishing and of course Bowie being Bowie had read Trainspotting nobody else in the world knew what it was oh so my he, god wow. so he was so we were then able to do a deal I can't remember what it was it was like five grand to, to get it and then wow. it, if it broke five million he got another 30 grand we did one of those deals and it worked out for everybody because his music wow you know perfect day and all that stuff yeah yeah yeah. and yeah, he yeah. lou reed would never let it be used because he who cares yeah oh my but God, bowie that's amazing so it was amazing i never met the guy but yeah met his team but and then the, the irony ironies we're we're selling it to polygram mm. one of the biggest record companies in the world and they didn't pick up the soundtrack really? they went to emi I bet you they're kicking themselves. Yeah, I think they still are. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's also the way these big corp companies work. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Of course. Just because the film people think it's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. egg on their face. History, eh? Yeah. So when you've um, what, what did you use in Boiling Point? I can't remember. It's all. It's no, no there's no, there's no, no, no music, music, is no, there? No, no. That's we, the be, that's the other good one to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, what we what we said. Realism, total realism. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, 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 we had some com- the composers that I've used on on everything I've done. They, I said, do me a do me some sort of a sample of music where we can put it in this section potentially, and they sent me a bunch of stuff and everything that we tried just didn't work. It just felt like it was taken away from the tension mm-hmm. and so what they did do was we knew we needed music to play in in the restaurant throughout they composed all of that and so what we, what i said was when there's a moment of sort of high tension or whatever let's reflect that in the music so let's make the music slightly more yeah. intense or whatever you know what i mean it's very subtle 
but they composed all of that because you know I wanted them to be involved in it. Um, but we're doing we just done the TV series and that's that's. This uh, is the medical one. No, no boiling point. Um, oh yeah. And and it, the BBC sort of said to me, you know, very early on, would you do it all set in the same style, like in one take? And I was like, I, we, I want to explore these characters outside of the kitchen. So no, so so there's plenty of music in in the in the show. Um, but I think it's important. Music, music's important. But 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 for for the for a film like Boiling Point, it was like I said, we we tried it, but it just didn't work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. And we had one track at the end, which is a Sam Fender track. Uh, who's a who's a mate of mine who basically he didn't give us the song for free, but yeah, you yeah. know um, he let us have the song before it came out on the album. So yeah, it's um, music's so important. And and Dan, so I mean, with Danny, does he tend to? when does he have music already in his head when he's with the script stage yeah and he plays he, he play, would it, play it to the actors really? he doesn't play it on set i don't remember wow. but he in his rehearsal he loves you know they played football yeah they do anything apart from read the script live but they do all yeah. these bonding things we watched a lot of movies wow. i'd become friends with the guy who ran the odeon in glasgow and we used wow. to go in there late at night and watch aliens and you yeah. know what was the one he really liked that vampire film uh, kathleen bigelow film when they're all traveling around the camper, he th he thought that was oh, like yeah, a bite yeah. of heroin addicts, you know, don't want to come out in the day. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. They nice. do a lot of that sort of bonding stuff as well as you know, Kubrick's, you know, uh, the one that's sort of influenced in the film, um, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody had a, I think I got a VHS or yeah. some black, you know, and everybody's watching on the TV. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, big, yeah, you know, yeah, all standing yeah. around. So it was all made like that. There was no dressing rooms. Yeah. There was no, you know. Um, it was it was it was an incredible experience where everybody wanted to together. You know, all the actors got ten grand. It was all yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all like that. Yeah, I mean, look at them now though. No, no, no. <laughs> well, everybody's young as well, and everybody yeah. was like, everybody was. It was a shallow grave was very difficult for lots of reasons. Yeah, not enough money and experience. You know, blah blah blah. But train spotting was, and it was quite soon after. It was the same sort of crew in Scotland. Yeah, yeah. We made them both in Glasgow. They're, they're both set in Edinburgh. Right. Oh, it was made in Glasgow. We went to Edinburgh for like bits. That, you can really that, tell. You can really tell Edinburgh. Stair, there's a staircase where he runs down in the opening, but it, and yeah, he, yeah. he runs down some stairs, and all the gets hit by the car. Yeah. I've been to that staircase. I was walking past it with my two youngest sons. Really. It was right next to the VU where we'd been to see a film in the film right, festival. Right, 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 right. And I said, "Do you recognise this?" And one of them did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's like only one of them's probably watched the film yeah <laughs> i um interesting fact for you i auditioned for 28 days later oh did you for killian's part yeah i oh, did you yeah, yeah yeah. did you come to three mills so i want you i want to come I, to three mills here today yeah i did yeah yeah i did yeah but you're here today to ask you why i didn't get the part no i'm joking <laughs> oh killian no i remember i remember have you I, seen I, I, have you seen oppenheimer not yet um listen i mean I, if there's if you if yeah. you in any way like killian it's incredible. Oh, I think he's, he's. I think he's incredible. He's incredible. This is like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible, incredible. I've heard. I mean, I keep saying I want to go and watch it, and, and but I want to watch it because I don't live in London, but I want to watch it on a big IMAX. But um, the other place to watch it, go on, if you're in London, is Battersea Power Station. Have I, got a, a, there's an amazing cinema in Battersea. Really? Power, I got a tiny, tiny interest in. So, oh yeah. But, but it also is 300 seats. The best Dolby. Uh, vision or something which is yeah. the best better than Atmos yeah 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 there's only yeah. three cinemas in Britain that have it it's incredible wow incredible and is that part of the, the development that, yeah it's yeah, inside yeah, yeah, the, yeah. it's inside the inside the inside the power station the old power station which is a big shopping centre yeah. of food very fancy very well done 
but the cinema right at the top because it's a there are not very many big cinemas where the yeah has raking has right, a right, screen right. see i never i never knew it's worth a trip yeah I went to a rave there once before <laughs> before it was what it is now. Yeah, they've got this great Big little. Open bit. They've got a great reel before of all these films that oh. were shot like Superman and the Beatles and all, oh, all wow. using the backdrop. It's probably you were probably in the rave. Or... Probably yeah, at the, at the time. That's their <laughs> that's their sort of introductory reel. Anyway, so, you have got to see Oppenheimer soon. I know. I got it. When's it? It's coming out soon, isn't it? it must be. Um, After the cinema. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, the cinema, I hope it keeps playing forever. But, well, of course, yeah. yeah but um, yeah, I think you've got to go quite. I'm always one of these quite people, sharply. Though. I'm one of these people that because it's not one to watch at home. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. But I, I'm one of these people that I've always been like this. I don't really like following the crowd. So if someone goes, everyone's going to watch it. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just wait. I'll wait. You better go. I better go quick though. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you live? I live in Manchester. Okay. There must yeah. be. Isn't there's, it? Some, there's some there's great places. Voo or something in Manchester. There is, there is um, but I don't think it's a big. Uh, I don't think it's a like a decent. You know, it doesn't need to be IMAX. It just needs to be yeah. the best sound and vision you can get. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. I'm, I'm I mean, a lot it. of it's drama. You know, it's a lot of it. That's true. Yeah. But, but it's still worth. It just I think in the cinema you because it's so long. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Touch yeah. my phone or. Well, that's the problem. I watched. Um, the Irishman on Netflix at home, and it was like, you had to stop it. I mean, it's, yeah. it could have been a series. That. I saw it. I saw it. And I saw it. I went to the cinema to see it. Did you? I took one of my sons, and I said, "You can have anything you like from the concessions because <laughs> we're going to be here for a long time." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went oh, in like good. this. Yeah. I, 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 the end is so good of the Irishman. But it takes yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, some yeah. people, said, you know, they didn't really go for it and. Right. Stephen was great in that. Yeah, know, that being biased, but he was amazing. We all wanted that uh, matching shorts. Yes. Yeah, Hawaiian shirt. I think he took it home with him. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of all of the the things that you've done, what have been the sort of standout? What what's been? Have you done like, you know? And I'm sure every production you've loved, but what's been your sort of? I don't want to say favourite because you can't really have a favourite, can you? But you know. Well, I think there's. I, I think there's some films that, you know, if you if 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 I was sort of defined at the films that when you know if you want to try and convince somebody you've made films and, mm. and often you try to do that and they've never heard of them, but you would say Train Spotting, yeah, probably Twenty Eight Days Later, Next Machina, you yeah. know, those are, those are probably. Yeah, I I I love I love that movie. Do you like a musical? I do. You know, it's funny because. I love film musicals. I do, I do as well. Yeah, the yeah. classic ones. When they're done, when they're done properly, I watched Matilda. Went to the premiere oh, yeah. of Matilda, and that was, I was, I was a bit skeptical because because it, it can go quite badly. You know what I mean? They can mm. go badly, and I thought that was really, I, you know, I came out of it being, I was, I was buzzing. Great. You know, it was well, when it all works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's. I'd love to make another musical. Well, let's talk, Andrew. Yeah, let's you got talk. Got an idea. Yeah. The beautiful thing about that was the had been a theatre show and they sort of yeah refined it. I think you need a lot of time to make it all all really work. Yeah, because it's too different. It's you know yeah. it, may, it it could work, it couldn't work. You know, um, so train spotting. Twenty eight. Twenty days later, ex machina. Yeah, I think those I are mean, probably look, the most famous. My hat is Deus ex oh, machina, right. <laughs> and you know that film as well was just incredible i think i read somewhere that you um 
you, you made you shot that film in really quick five weeks six weeks yeah five or six weeks yeah yeah we did it we did that's insane we shot it you couldn't even do it now because pinewood wasn't that busy they gave us oh, some so tiny stages we shot four weeks in pinewood wow. and two weeks or less than two weeks in norway of course we ended up going to norway the most expensive country in europe yes <laughs> I'd planned to go to Spain. That's how I'd budgeted it. We ended up <laughs> in Norway, and uh, and uh, and um, obviously it was fabulous. But Norway, it's a long time ago now. You couldn't get anybody. You know, you know, we're in a sort of small town, and you want yeah. to get some camera boxes up to the location, right. and you think you just hire some guys and whatever. Yeah. They wouldn't do it for less than like twenty five quid an hour, and this is like, you know, it's just a different it's world. Crazy. McDonald's is, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. But amazing place. Absolutely loved yeah. it, and um, now they have a big tax credit. Really? It's really annoying. It's probably <laughs> since you've been there. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> and the, v, the VFX on that is just mind-blowing. How long was that process? Because it's quite VFX-heavy, so in terms of that, like you shot here for five weeks. We, we made this decision, and a lot of people, luckily, Alex agreed. Mm. that I said, this is the way to do it. We need to spend four million quid on visual effects. On v, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the yeah. budget was like 10 million quid. Yeah. And normally everybody would want to shoot for long, and I said, "We you just got to shoot quickly." Yeah, and we've got to find a way to do that. And you know, it's it's in a few locations because we need without the visual effects, it will never work. Yeah, and um, it was a brilliant script, so people mm. were interested in giving us the money, and and that was the way it worked out. And I remember we shot very quickly, then we edited so we could choose the visual effects, and then we shut down the cutting room again because we couldn't afford to keep it on. Right, and there were. Some people were happy, some people weren't happy at being given a two-month hiatus because the visual effects obviously takes took so long. Yeah. And then, I'm trying to remember, but we obviously went to Double Negative who were, you know, are mm. like Chris Nolans. And I'd, yeah, never, yeah. I'd never worked there before. And we met this incredible guy, Andrew Whitehurst. Wow. And then it won an Oscar. For yeah, 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 yeah. Beating yeah. all these very annoyed, big action films. So it yeah. was, it was incredible. And it, I didn't, I didn't think it, and it was also this thing that we made it for Universal mm. and they had the sort of first look at America. They owned America mm. and they were so sort of iffy about it. Really? We had, we were, had partnered a bit with this mega producer, Scott Rudin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he yeah. didn't really get involved in the making of the film. But when it came to getting it out of Universal and getting it to A24, who were just starting, mm. and then making them release it the way and his sort of understanding of the American, and that's where it became a really big hit. Right. And then... Alex got the DGA award and all these things. You realize that, and this is a producer speaking, one thing is making a film, but equally important is how you get it to your audience. Get it out there, yeah. How you get it to your audience and how you do marketing and how you, and that's harder and harder now because the audience is so dissipated and, you know, you used to be able to, Shallow Grave, we don't even TV advertise. You put a poster in a few places, put it on the back of Time Out, you know, open it in London, just, advertise in London yeah. and Scotland and then you can sort of build from there you can't do that anymore no no, no it's you would, so hard to get your audience to concentrate and know that it exists yeah what, what is what has been your sort of experience in terms of like the change in you obviously have to, have to adapt to the times and stuff like that what is your feeling on all of that like <laughs> obviously there's so many platforms now and not only TV and there's so much cinema. choice it's just yeah. everything's like that and on one level, you look at it, look at my, I've got a bunch of kids between 18 and 25, mm. and they're music. You know, we were all defined yeah. by music, and I was always desperately trying to get into the group or whatever it was. Mm. And it had to be, I remember everybody, you know, everybody hated Queen or Fleetwood yeah. Mac. Yeah. I, I love Fleetwood Mac now. Yeah. But everybody hated <laughs> yeah. them when I was young. 
And now they have, you know, Fleetwood Mac, Elvis Presley, some rap artists. They have everything, and they yeah, yeah. and they and I really admire that that they yeah, can all. Yeah. And every kid seems to be like that. Mm. But, 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 and that's the same with their film likes. You know, they te yeah. or television. It's just all over the place, and yeah. a lot of it's YouTube. Yeah. And that yeah. is very difficult. And I think that I used to think that if you had a film that grossed five million at the box office, mm. it was a hit. And I had quite a lot of films like that. It's almost impossible for a British or independent film, unless it's, you know, Mega Danny Boyle or Richard Curtis or something, to gross that now. Yeah. Like, and, and, and that's the problem. Mm. And I don't, that's, that's, how do you get those people? It was much easier. Would the full Monty be the full Monty? Right, yeah, now, of course. I don't, no, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you're right. And it's, those are the sort of films that I love. Yeah. British films, particularly with a sort of independent identity. Yeah. In the sense that it was about Sheffield and, you know, yeah, Val, yeah, and these yeah. characters and, how you know it's like boiling point it's got an identity of the mm. of the place and the people yeah and, and you, you, it's harder and harder to get that yeah for a bigger but, audience but you you were saying earlier um about the edinburgh film festival you've now become the chair yeah of I've, the edinburgh film festival yeah and so you you were saying that you know your your idea and you know can, if i can talk about it would be to sort of try and champion those films there yeah again. i want to try yeah. and i want to try i want to try and i look at the fringe in edinburgh yeah and obviously in the last few years you've had phoebe Waller-Bridge, fleabag it started there six yeah. started there right, now right. these are mega hits you know mm -hmm. in america but so much talent comes out of there and yeah. almost every actor performer did you ever work at edinburgh at the fringe no 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 no, no but no. i bet you lots of the people you know yeah oh god loads yeah yeah, and yeah yeah most of it's a disaster and all the rest yeah. of it but it's part of the process of yeah and and I used to love taking my kids there because they see live perform, you know, yeah, you yeah. Know, and it's just, it's, and I think that the film festival has to somehow reflect that. Now, the fringe show is like any show can go on providing they've got the 96 quid and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You need to be a bit more curated, but I think you mm. need to feel that if you go to the Edinburgh Film Festival, you might discover something. Yes. And everybody forgets, but you know, a lot of ago, my beautiful Andrette was a film made for mm. television. It was never been theatrical. It went to right, Edinburgh yeah, and then, yeah, so, yeah. you know, and that's the way it, you want to find a discovery. That would be a dream, obviously. It's yeah, a great, yeah, great film. Yeah. But I hope that you can try and get that feeling. And then for connect audiences, filmmakers, and hopefully industry on some level, mm -hmm. you know, that that if, you, if you're going, the reason you go to film festivals and the way that almost every talented person has discovered at them is because that's where they all, everybody starts from roughly the same place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Wes Anderson and I don't know, Quentin Tarantino, all yeah, of these, yeah. Chris Nolan, everybody then had to have, had a film at a film festival that then sort of popped. Now, yeah, yeah. not everybody's going to... Of course, yeah. But yeah. it is the opportunity. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to reflect that and therefore people pay attention to it mm -hmm. because they might find something interesting. Yeah. Doesn't mean they're going to be box office hits, but I just think that's... It's creating that buzz as well, isn't it? You know? Yeah. And, and that's yeah. why people go, you know, everybody who's in the comedy world, every manager producer goes there yeah and they check out everything yeah know? yeah and yeah. if you if you're uh you know now everybody's looking for six they're all going to music you know whatever you know that's yeah. what that's the way we all live and yeah. and it's sort of fun and it's an ex mm. exciting place to be there there's yeah. a lot of crossover i think between the, the different creative things yes yeah so you can go and see an orchestra you can go and see a mm. comedian in a phone box you can go and see yeah 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 bunch of students doing hamlet you know you can, it's, you, it's art, all there it's art, isn't it? And it, yeah. yeah but it, it should also be fun, fun. Yes, yeah, 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 of course. Enjoyment. Yeah. yeah. And a festival always has a sort of hub and a center and a yeah. people talking about it in the bar or whatever, you know, however. Yeah. And I Have think you that, seen this yet? Go yeah. and see it, yeah. yeah. 
Word that. of mouth. It's like yeah. why people love going to live music festivals. Yeah. I mean, there used to be 10 when we were young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now there's yeah. one every... Week. It's bec- <laughs> yeah. It's, and Edinburgh is a bit, you know, it's for not for the same... It's not really for young, young, but that's what yeah. it's like. Every, you know, yeah. Nobody's going to tell you off for drinking a lager at 11 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you been to Cannes? Yes. Every drinks pink wine all day and night. Even the yeah, Americans. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, I, don't, it, I, I don't drink anymore, but when I, no, when no, I but went to Cannes, I did drink, and I, and I don't remember it very well. Okay. <laughs> put it, I'll put it that way. I think I missed my flight back. No, I know I did, actually. I know I missed my flight back. Okay. What sort of advice would you give, um, you know, what, A, what are the most important industry lessons that you've learned over the years? And what advice would you give to someone who wants to get into the industry, whether it be actor, actress, producer, director, you know, just getting into the industry? What sort of advice would you give? Well, well, I think the I think the thing is that is that you have to find out what's sort of local to you, yeah. And it doesn't have to be anybody can make a make a film these days, of course, and yeah. YouTube's full of them, yeah, yeah. And you don't have to necessarily to be an actor like lots of actors came from didn't go to theatre school. Mm. They were maybe a model or they were maybe some kind of a comedian, you know. Yeah. Look at Hollywood famous people; they're all come from all sorts of. So there's all sorts of ways of getting yourself seen and known now that didn't exist before mm. you know any and anybody's got distribution it's just the odds of being noticed are hard. Yeah. but i think i think always the great ways are you know through the local theater company through the local television company through the lo- you know yeah you should get a job on whatever it is brookside or whatever it is yeah, that's in yeah, your yeah, area yeah. try and get in with those people and do anything you can to get in with them yeah and then i think that then opens up the world and the other thing is watch everything yes and have your opinion it's all there the bbc's still got incredible amount of stuff on it and films and yeah watch as much so you know what you like and what you would want to do or what you would want to be in or yeah and and read and go to the theater and all those things that you have a have an opinion mm. and have some kind of taste that you you know if you want to make shallow grave yeah then you know and then you go and see other films like shallow grave and then you do you know about you know, an old French film yeah. called Diabolique, which is sort of, you know, yeah, yeah, got yeah. some influence on Shallow Grave. And, and, and I think that, because when you talk to other people in the business, you have to know your stuff. Yes. And you have to have an opinion. Of and course, yeah. And I think without that, you can't just be about how much you're going to earn and yeah, all those type yeah, of things, yeah. you know. Because yeah. if you're working money, that's what you have to know about everything yeah, about yeah. it. And so I think I think that, and then, and then if you try and, have like-minded mates or friends because yeah it, it, it your brother or whatever it is yeah. so you can talk about these things yeah together yeah. i think i think that's how you have to start and you have to then also look at you know my story is kind of special because of my grandfather yeah, but yeah. there's some aspects are very similar to everybody else i mm. cleaned a lot of toilets on sets i did all sorts of shitty jobs yeah. and all thing. but you have to be very it's very very uh, competitive so you of have course. to be very very dedicated yeah it's very hard to have a sort of normal young person's social life if you really want to be dedicated you have and to you work also, and work and work and you also get a lot of knockbacks and yeah a lot of no's in this business even now i imagine you know <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. you, even you know for the likes of you and, you and your brother it is you know a lot of no's from financiers or whatever it may be so you've just got to have a thick skin i suppose and just be you know it's not it's not for everybody this industry no that's it it's not for an, and it's not it's not it's not no job is easy but it's not yeah. it's, it can be very 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 difficult and frustrating yeah very rewarding one on one hand and then yeah, yeah. 
really, yeah, frustrating is a good word. It's like watching sports sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Knocked knock down and then the guy knocks the other guy or whatever. Yeah. And it, that all happens in five minutes. But then and there's nothing first, you can do about it. But when you're Sally. making, you know, we work together on a TV show. Yeah, yeah. I found pretty frustrating some of that, I can tell you. So what, <laughs> talking about TV, actually, what, what is the, do you see, do, going from, tra- transitioning from film, indie film and, fil- and you know, yeah. big films to then TV, you know, opening the sort of TV arm of the company. What, what is, do you see that, is it a difference there? What, like? There's a huge difference. Yeah. There's a huge difference, but obviously the, that's where the opportunities were. And the TV yeah. I've made are really like just long films, you know. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, like yeah. to make a real, you know, Soprano series where you grow to love characters. Yeah. You know, if your TV show works, yeah. I just want to see that character again yeah. and the other characters, the situation, and that's what mm. you really love and it's soap ultimately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can have all different levels and interest yeah. of it and that's what that's what television really is mm. you know yeah i agree yeah and i think that's what differentiates from film and when it's just a sort of longer film yeah could be the art you know yeah yeah yeah, I, yeah 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 so my real dream would be to make us would be you know is to make taggart frankly on some level you yeah. know to but do that in an interesting new way so that you love these characters well they the did same. endeavor was Inspector Morse yeah, there yeah. you go maybe yeah. so Inspector Morse give you an idea there look Inspector Morse is what Danny did yeah, yeah. really yeah, he directed a whole bunch of wow. Inspector Morse's I love that I'm going to have to go back and watch them ones <laughs> <laughs> true Danny Boyle style um, what are a couple of more just one more question and then uh, I want to ask you something um, what are you working on at the moment what's next if you can talk about it hmm. Well, you know, we, we, we've had a big disappointment this year where we were making a TV show and we made the pilot. Right. And then they gave the go-ahead for the show. It was based on a book and a film that we made, Never Let Me Go. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was cancelled. Really? Yeah. Even after the Even after pilot? they said yes. And greenlit it. And yeah. So. Why? I mean, you don't... Why? Well, there's cutbacks, yeah. finance. Oh, gosh. Um, but it was very, very, very disappointing yeah 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 yeah. and it sort of let that was our whole you know we basically planned the whole year around this because it was greenlit and then it wasn't and this is happening quite a lot at the moment yeah and i've got i was speaking to a really good friend who produces documentaries and and he was she was saying that uh, sorry she was saying that they've been working on this documentary for showtime Mm. for two years Mm. eight parts and then suddenly showtime don't exist anymore and you can have it back oh my god and it you know, this is this is happening a lot at the moment. There's yeah. a lot of contraction, and then obviously you've got the strikes. Of course, yeah. So the, the so the project I had a couple. I've got a couple of projects with Alex Garland. Mm. I've worked with a lot recently. They're on hold. On hold, yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a weird time. Yeah, it's a weird time. I mean, we're all looking for our endeavor. Yeah, our, our, our ITV series we can make without <laughs> yeah without any American yeah. union influence. So. It's one one minute. There's co- a whole co- bunch of things, but I can't really talk yeah. about them. No, no, no. They're because they're not. Yeah. No, yeah, they're yeah. just they're just not necessarily real. But um, yeah, I mean, the, what everybody's trying to do is figure out what's gonna what's gonna happen. Yeah. Really, and how how particularly independent stuff is going to be seen and shown mm. and financed. Yeah. Because it, it it's not really making any sense financially, and I a lot yeah of, yeah at the moment unless you can make it for 500,000 and then make yeah. something good that people want to watch yeah it's difficult yeah it, it, it's so when you made your Boiling Point series mm. BBC is there another partner apart from the BBC Cause BBC Studios as well so they've advanced money for the international yeah. sales yeah 
Yeah, so... And that's, so that would be a good partnership because it was very yeah. straightforward as long as... It, it all happened so quick that the whole thing was, you know, we... we the BBC approached me and talked to, uh, and said, would you be interested in making it into a series? Of course, I said yes. <laughs> Can you get Stephen Graham? Can you get Stephen Graham? Because, you know... No, no, but... Is he... Is he is he dead or alive from the film? Because it follows on from the film, see. Right. And they, um, I was like, oh yeah, he's alive. Yeah, yeah, of course he is. If you want, if you want to make a series, he's alive. <laughs> Obviously, after I'd spoken to him, and he was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, but you know, it all happened really quick. Um, we, I think we were in pre-production and within three months of being greenlit. With did you write all the two scripts? scripts? Two scripts. That's the other television problem I can't I bear. I can't bear that. I thought it was just us, but apparently it's on most productions. Yeah, they keep telling me it's an advantage. I don't see the advantage. No. It means you can be flexible. Like, mm, not sure, sure. Yeah, but, yeah, no. So were you writing and directing? I was, uh, I was create. I created the show with James, who, who I wrote it with, and Stephen, because Stephen was been integral to the whole process from day one when we did the short film. Right. Um, and I wanted him to be a creator because he's got lots of input in terms yeah. of story and stuff. Um but I was across the scripts. But we had a we had a James was the lead writer, and we had a, a bunch of other writers as well. We scrambled did, together the writers room. Did you direct it all? I directed the first two. It's all four right. episodes. It's four, right? I, yeah. I, I always imagine it's going to be eight or ten. No, maybe for season two if we get it, BBC. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it was it was four four episodes, um, which is nice actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is a nice number. I mean, it's also nice as a viewer sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, well, it's... It's October, is it? October 1st, yeah. BBC One. I mean, depending on when this comes out, it's out, it's out now or it'll be out soon, yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing. So, um, the podcast called The Going Rogue Club. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we ask our guests about their rogue choice of film or TV show. So, can you tell us about a film or TV show that means something to you that might be a little bit unexpected, something a bit out there that, you know, I might not have heard of or, or like the listeners... Well, I only thought I'd, I'd this. Everybody would have heard of this, but I just thought they might think it was unexpected. That I, Go on. Uh, come dine with me. Oh my god! I love that show. I love that show. I think it's, I was an ex-chef, so that obviously the boiling point thing. So that show is just yeah. Were you an ex-chef? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For twelve years, yeah, yeah. Mm, I yeah. love cooking. That's my big. Is it? Relax. Well, I just do a lot of it and, lo and yeah. watch a lot of terrible Instagram videos. You know. Yeah. <laughs> but I think come dine with me. As a producer, obviously, it's a genius concept. Yeah. Dirt cheap. Yeah. And socially, and just so fascinating. Yeah. Seeing people's houses, seeing what they yeah. cook, seeing what they're like, and how bloody competitive everybody is. Exactly, yeah. I, I just, I, I would go to heaven if I could make, and I want to make a cooking show. We should make a cooking show. Let's do it, yeah. I want to make a cooking show that's like that, that yeah. isn't with a, you know, not with a chef. Yeah. I don't know. Real I've people. been thinking, real people doing something. Yeah. I, I quite like Ready City Cook, but I prefer yeah. Come Dine With Me because of the houses. And I just think it's... Yeah, it is genius. genius. What's the other one that did they do? Um, the 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 uh, the B and B four in a bed. That's it. Yeah, four in a bed. Never heard of it. You got to watch it. It's because they obviously cook and then they they try and impress them with the chocolate on the pillow or whatever it is. But it's, my it's my uh, stepmother and dad ran a B and B for really? a while and they were very they were very high end. You know. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah. But they all these tales that like you know like chefs and everybody yeah. in, everybody in hospitality. Of oh, what people mad. were like, and you know, they'd make these beautiful fried breakfasts with this, that, and the other, and then yeah. some people, you know, anyway, yeah, love it, love it. Well, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And oh, it was uh, easy for me, I thought it was going to be a bit more taxing. So. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm slightly we could worried about it, be it all day, but um, yeah, we'll honestly, do, it's, we it's can do it, we can do it again. I'd love to, yeah. I think you should bring your podcast to Edinburgh next year. Oh, my god, that's there a good idea, go. isn't it? Do it. 
let's do it. Don't deal. Let's shake on that now. Shake on that now. Deal, deal, deal. Um, let's talk again when we've made something together. Yeah, a cooking show. A cooking show. Yeah, yeah, love it. Yeah, did, thanks. Okay. Yeah, nice. Very nice to meet. Bye. <laughs> I, want to know, I want to know more about your no. cooking. Oh yeah, no, I cooked everywhere, all over London. Did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went. I moved to Manchester. I did it for twelve years, and then uh, worked mo- mostly in sort of gastroy places, gastro pubs and stuff yeah. around in around London, and then worked in some high end places. And then when I moved to Manchester, um, when my wife got pregnant, I didn't want to work. I was, I was. It's a brutal business, isn't it? It's oh, it's brut- horrible. I worked for an agency up in Manchester who basically um, they sent me everywhere. I was a head chef at that point. So they'd put me in places where the head chef was off sick or on holiday or whatever. And I would literally go, one day I'd be in a Greasy Spoon cafe and the next day I'd be in a three-star Michelin restaurant. Mm. And so I got to see everything, every type of thing. And the one thing that was the same in everyone was they all hated agency chefs because we were on more money than them. Yeah, yeah, like... And we were coming in and just basically, they thought we were coming in and just going to take over and, and put our tell them what to do but they but hate everywhere you went you were hated hated like the minute i walked in the door i was hated so but you know that's a good drama right there isn't it yeah yeah the agency chef yeah <laughs> very specialist but anyway. yeah 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 lots of drama yeah wow yeah wow, yeah amazing well thanks mate thank you very much thank you